Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you listening, joining us for this hour of spiritual direction here on the Relevant Radio app and RelevantRadio.com and on your local Relevant Radio station. And do you find yourself using words sometimes where you don't really think about their meaning? Do you have some words that get thrown into your conversation and you don't realize that you say maybe that one word or that one phrase as frequently as you do? Or do you use a word and because you use it so often without thinking about it, that word, maybe it doesn't technically mean what you really mean. Kind of like uh, the Sicilian thief and criminal from The Princess Bride. Uh, he keeps using that word invincible. <laughs> and he has one of his compatriots that says, I don't think that word means what you think it means. I think it everyone does word. this. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Eniko. Uh, I think everyone does this at different points, but some do it more than others. And I notice this the most in my kids that are in their teens and their early 20s. They have a few words that, they, that get used in a way that isn't necessary or appropriate in what they're trying to say. Sometimes they'll just use a word as a filler word, and those filler words, most of the time when you hear somebody say, um, ah, uh, uh, when they're kind of having that pause, they fill those spaces while they're thinking about what they want to say next. Well, you're formulating the rest of the sentence that you're speaking. Now, the biggest filler words that I hear from my kids, it's one word. It's the word like, and they might say something along the lines of, we went out to the beach today and, like, the weather was perfect. It, it was, like, gorgeous out there. Like, it wasn't too hot and the water was, like, the perfect temperature. And sometimes when one of my kids, when they're speaking, I'll just slowly lift up my hand and I'll quietly hold up one finger and then another finger and another. And I'll just count silently, just showing them, giving that visual of how many times they're saying the word like as they're talking. Another word that my kids use without thinking is the word literally. They might say something like, I was in English class today at school, and the teacher literally gave me an A-plus on my presentation. Now, my response might be to congratulate them on the good grade, but I'll emphasize, I'm glad that the A-plus was not a figurative grade. The literal A-plus is much better. And I usually get eye rolls for that kind of response to them. One other word that my kids will frequently use, especially when expressing an opinion, is the word feel. If they're trying to make the case for something, they might say, I, I just feel like we should stop switching back and forth between daylight savings and standard time. I feel like it's better because all of the data, it shows that switching clocks an hour forward or an hour back, it causes all kinds of traffic accidents, it leads to health problems. More often than not, I won't actually correct them on that one. 
But occasionally I'll point out to them that what they really mean is they think daylight savings time is a bad idea. Feelings might help inform their opinion, but they're expressing something that they've thought through using facts, using reason. Something that's more of an exercise of the intellect rather than emotions. So words, they have meaning. And I try and emphasize this for our kids, but any of us, you, me, we we can all use words or phrases that we don't think about what the meaning is. We don't give much thought to what we're really saying in that moment. Now, I'd like you to think of some of the responses that you say during the Mass. Do you find yourself simply saying the words out of habit or out of routine? Do you think about every response that you say during the Mass? Because paying attention to what we say is, of course, extremely important. But there might be something else at play when we say some of those responses at Mass, and we don't give consideration to the full weight of what's being said. Have you ever learned why we say some of the things that we say at Mass, the meaning of those words? Because the liturgy, it has meaning behind every word used. Those words have been refined and poured over for centuries. So if you and I haven't been educated on what we're really saying in our responses, if we're ignorant of the significance of the words, then we're missing out on the depth and the beauty of the liturgy. So today here on The Inner Life, we want to look at one of those phrases. We're not going to look at the entire Mass. that We'd need much more than an hour to do that. But one of those phrases, the peace of Christ. And we want to understand what we're really saying when we offer that sign of Christ's peace to someone else at Mass. And joining us as our spiritual director today for the hour, Father Chris Walsh is back once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He's the pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort uh, Catholic Church there in Philadelphia. Uh, Father Chris Walsh, welcome back to the program. So glad to have you here as we talk about the, priest, the peace of Christ today. Thank you so very much, and it's the peace of Christ with a priest of Christ, so praise God for that. <laughs> very good. Well, so as we begin talking, Father... Right before uh, the crucifixion, we hear Jesus in his Last Supper. We hear him talk about, my peace I leave you. And we also hear him say that to the apostles once again right after the resurrection. So we kind of get on both sides of leading up to the crucifixion and right after he rises from the dead. And he very specifically says something in the Last Supper as he's talking in St. John's Gospel. He says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. And so let's talk about what peace really is. You know, most of the time, I think for a lot of us, the opposite of peace might be, we imagine, conflict. You know, war, fighting, arguing. So peace as the world gives, maybe it's that absence of these sorts of conflicts. But when Jesus talks about peace, he's talking about it, he knows that the the apostles are going to enter a time of fear, a time of anxiety coming up. And then when he greets them after the resurrection, he knows they've gone through that. So again, he says, peace be with you. Twice, in fact, very, very close to each other when he appears to them for the first time. So can you talk to us about the difference between peace that the world gives and peace that Christ gives? Sure thing. And I think that as you said in your introduction, right, the way we use words does matter um, in our language. And peace is one of those words. You know, I think it's healthy to remind ourselves that Jesus lived as a Jewish man uh, in in Israel. Um, and, you know, the word in, in, in Hebrew is shalom. 
uh, still used today, right? When you walk around Israel, it's it's the more common greeting. They don't say hello, but but shalom, and uh, or bokatov, you know, a greeting of the day, a blessing of the day, because because faith and biblical language is so interspersed even amongst the secular Jews of today. But you know, for the Jewish people, they very rarely had the kind of peace that we think about from a worldly standpoint. They very, very rarely were without someone attacking them, someone driving them out. And and ironically, you know, there's the beautiful uh, what we call the Aaronite blessing, which which I love to to, to pray over people at, at different times and on different occasions. You know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you, uh, and may the Lord grant you His peace. You know, the Lord instructs Aaron to pray that over Israel as they're going into battle. <laughs> Right, so 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 God is instructing Aaron the priest to pray over the people a prayer of blessing and peace while they're going into war. Isn't that strange? So, it, it, but I think it indicates to us that there might be conflict going on, conflict that's inevitable. As often Israel was trying to defend themselves to have their own existence. However, there could be a peace in their heart. Why? Because they were trusting the Lord. Why? Because they were doing what was right and good in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because what they were doing was pleasing in the sight of God. And therefore, they could go forward with a peace in their heart, even when all around them was conflict. And I think that's so essential for us as Christians today. Well, and so, you know, while we might not be actively serving in any military, we have a spiritual battle that's always raging around us. So in that sense, it kind of is a continuation in that spiritual realm, it seems, from what you're kind of describing there, that going into war, going into battle, but having that peace that comes alongside that, um, you know, with there's the reassurance, the Prince of Peace himself, Jesus, is he, he's defeated, he's conquered death and the grave. So we have that hope, that reassurance there. Uh, exactly. And, and, and remember, peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, you know, St. Paul, um, you know, makes this beautiful list of, of, of what will happen when the Spirit of God is dwelling within us. And, and, and amongst those gifts, right, when, when, when Paul makes the offering, is the gift of peace, right, along with, you know, gentleness and, and faithfulness and goodness and kindness and patience uh, and joy. Uh, you know, we're going to know peace. And so I think that's often the question that I talk with people when they come and whether it's in confession or spiritual direction or just in everyday conversations, you know, I don't have a peace about me. Well, let's talk about your relationship with the Lord. Because if we, you know, peace isn't something that we can achieve on our own, we believe as people of faith, that it's God who grants peace, which is why Jesus, as you said in that resurrection story, wishes it to them twice. First, he walks in, remember the day, day and a half that they've had since the crucifixion, the fear, the worrying, there's reports that he's not there, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's there's a lack of certainty. And so first he comes in and just says, peace be with you, shalom, shalom. But they're not receiving it. He continues to talk. And so, uh, you know, when I was preparing to come on, I was thinking of that miracle where, where, where Jesus is healing the man but of his blindness. But, you know, it takes... Jesus has to initiate the, the healing twice, because at first the man can't fully see. So how often does Christ have to say to us, peace, shalom, right? Shalom to you. Why? Not because there's a problem on Jesus' end that he's not able to fully present it to us, but because we can't always receive it. Maybe we're trying to create peace on our own. Uh, maybe we're not open to receiving it. Maybe there's not a, a place for the grace of God to be operative in our life, and so therefore the, the peace isn't taking hold. Well, and even the 
main city that the nation of Israel was built around has that word peace in it, Jerusalem. You know, Salem is that that English kind of transliteration of that shalom greeting. And we even have that at the very beginning, the very first uh, priest, the priest and the king that we see in Melchizedek is, he's the king of Salem, I believe, if if I remember correctly. So we have that idea of peace from the very beginning, right? When when, uh, you have Abraham, he gives that offering, gives a tithe, to the King Melchizedek, and that idea of peace, that, that, I guess, that kingdom of peace that we can enter into, it's always there. It's, it's always in that constant thread throughout salvation history. That's right, because God doesn't give up on offering us what is certainly the, the, the very life that exists within him. Um, you know, one of my favorite, uh, you know, sort of ways of commonly defining, you know, uh, shalom, you know, for, for the Hebrew is making something whole, right? So it's, it's not just absence of war, but it, but it's more than that. To wish someone godly peace is that they be whole, that they be complete. And a big part of that completion, a big part of that wholeness for us as human beings is that we're living in right relationship with God. And so God's never going to tire of making these initiatives of peace because he knows it's what's good for us. Let me ask you this. So if you, you know, there, there's, there's the idea of you wouldn't know a straight line unless you had a crooked line to compare it to. If all the lines in the world that we ever saw were just straight lines, then you wouldn't even know that it was straight because there's the absence of a crooked one for comparison. Do you think that's something similar? If there's not conflict, if there's not fear, if we had never experienced that, would we really understand and maybe appreciate what peace really is? I know that's more philosophical, but it's just, yeah, something that came yeah. to mind. Well, but I would say on the practical level, I, w- I would take it from a different perspective. I think there are many people who all they know is conflict. All they know is lack of fullness. All they know is lack of wholeness. Um, because they haven't been blessed with the opportunity of experiencing mm-hmm. peace, because they've 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 lacked the at the human level uh, to live in wellness, <laughs> uh, to to live in a, in a community or an environment or a family uh, that, that's helping them be whole, and then the spiritual component on top of that, they they perhaps haven't been blessed with the opportunity to learn how to confess sins, how to how to move into a life of virtue, how to have a life of prayer. All the things that we're blessed to know from our Catholic tradition that are going to lead us to peace, they just don't know it. And, and so I think people are just so used to conflict. They're so used to being uh, divided from people. They're so used to being unwell that they don't even recognize peace when it comes. Once, once they taste it, I think it's good. But I think you're right. We, we almost have had, right, since the beginning of the fall, this lack of peace. And so it, it exists, you know, sadly amongst us. Yeah. Uh, so you talk about us being made whole as part of that uh, understanding of peace. So what are we really saying? You know, what, what, is the, what is the priest saying to us when he says, he quotes those words from Jesus at Mass, and then he says, peace be with you, we respond, and with your spirit. And there's the, let us offer each other a sign of Christ's peace. What, what are we saying in that moment? What are we really communicating to our fellow parishioner, the neighbor there in the pew, when we, 
because a lot of times that can just seem like we're saying, uh, hi, nice to see you. Exactly. I hope you're nice, having a nice, nice morning. Rest. Yeah, let's just shake hands and be friendly and polite. So what are we really communicating when we do say, the peace of Christ be with you? Of course, it's, it's based on the, the instruction of Jesus himself, that before you bring the gift to the altar... Um, mm-hmm. Right, go you, make peace you with your realize, neighbor if right. you have anything. Right, right, go repay whatever you... Okay. Right, make it all right with everybody out there. Okay, so that's where we and start. so there has been, instru- you know, uh, over time there have been these conversations that perhaps the sign of peace is at the wrong place. It should be sort of after the intercessions, like before the offertory, that the sign of peace should happen there because it's before we bring our gifts to the altar, so that's when we do our procession. And so I understand that some people liturgically feel like the sign of peace is like an interruption because here we are in the consecration, we're praying the Lord's Prayer, we're receiving the Lord's peace, we're now hungering for the Eucharist, and now we have this intermission of of shaking of hands and uh, you look nice and oh, the baby looks cute and all of this kind of stuff. Right, right. And, and then we have to, okay, the Lamb of God to sort of gather us back. So I, I get that. Um, however, I think what the Church is trying to do is, is to keep us accountable for that. I had to be honest with you, Judge, oftentimes as, as a celebrant, when I'm celebrating Mass and the sign of peace, there's a memory that comes back to me from before I was a priest. I, I was blessed to spend some summers in the South Bronx with the missionaries of charity, uh, helping them with the summer camp. And there was a sister who ran the uh, summer camp um, who was, you know, she was the kind of woman that was capable of running the summer camp in the South Bronx for 250 kids, right? She was a strong personality. She was a strong woman. And and sometimes as she was dealing with volunteers who were uh, mostly college age, but came from around the world, you know, it was tough. It was, it was a week of preparation, and then there we were for seven weeks of summer camp. And, and, and she had a pretty strong personality, and at one point she had upset one of the volunteers. And we all kind of knew about it because it was done kind of publicly. And it was on a Thursday after, Wednesday afternoon. Thursday morning, we were having Mass at the local parish church with the kids. And I happened to be in the back with the kids that I was the counselor for. And this woman who had had the conflict with the nun was, was kind of two or three rows in front of me. And as the sign of Mass approached, I saw the sister who was running the camp. She was up in the front. And all of a sudden, she began moving back as the priest was doing that. You know, Lord Jesus, you say to us, peace I leave you, peace I give you. And at the sign of peace, I watched as this sister approached this girl and she, out loud, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Mm. The sign of peace took on a new meaning for me. Yeah. Right? That sister knew that before she received the Eucharist that day, you know, if she really wanted the peace of Christ in her, she had to have peace with others. Right? What's the two great commandments? Love God, love neighbor. It's not one or the other. Right? And so she needed to engage in that experience of reconciliation with, with, with another before she could really approach the, the, the gift of the Eucharist. Why? Because Christ wants us to be at peace. Our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and we're talking about the peace that Christ gives us. When have you experienced that peace in your life? And how did it help you maybe through a tough time? How did experiencing that peace, even the, in the face of difficulties, maybe not knowing how things are going to turn out, how did it help strengthen you so that you could move forward? And maybe just like the, the story that Father just shared, maybe it's that peace that allowed you to mend a friendship, a relationship. We'd love to hear how that's worked in your life. Maybe you're having a difficult time finding that peace, understanding that peace, and it just seems to be absent from your life and you'd like a little help. 
Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is relevantradio.com. And Father, let's continue talking about forgiveness, that aspect of finding peace when we're united with Christ. Uh, let's t- carry that on after this uh, brief time out here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. All right, so we're what? Somewhere around 80-some days, I think, away from Christmas right now. But... I want to talk with you about something for Christmas. Hi, this is Josh Raymond. Welcome back to The Inner Life. And this isn't to try and overlook Halloween or Thanksgiving or All Saints Day or anything else that's coming up, but Advent, it starts at the end of November this year. And we are offering for 200 people, 200 people have the opportunity to win an outdoor nativity set. It's beautiful. It's hand-painted. It's uh, worth over $500. You can win one absolutely free. We'll ship it to you. Uh, But you have to register. That's the main thing. You have to enter to win, right? So you can do that either at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. You'll see a banner there for the, the nativity set, just click on the button or, you know, if it's on your mobile device, just tap on that banner and it'll take you to the page where you can go ahead and enter your information and you can sign up. And we did this last year too. Uh, so many people, uh, thousands of people signed up and we were so glad to be able to send out nativity sets to 200 lucky winners. So uh, it's, it's a great way to promote the faith, to say, you know, this isn't just a happy holidays kind of greeting. I really, this is what I believe. And I want to make this proud, bold proclamation. Merry Christmas. And again, we'll send that to you. Just register online, relevantradio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. We're talking today here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and talking about the peace of Christ. How has Christ's peace worked in your life? Maybe you've been going through some difficulty and you had that peace that you experienced from Christ, uh, from Jesus, and it helped to just calm your fears, your worries, your anxieties. Maybe you'd like that peace and you're really struggling through a difficult time and it's hard for you to make it through, and there's a lot of worry, a lot of dread in your mind, in your heart right now, and you'd like some encouragement, some help on your spiritual journey. That's why Father is here. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, right before the break, you were talking about that experience you had in working at that summer camp in uh, New York, and that idea that you, you talked about, that sister who went up publicly apologized uh, there as Mass was underway, having had this, this 
kind of uh, unpleasant encounter with one of the workers, one of the helpers there. Does forgiveness, it would seem to me that it always has to go hand in hand with peace, because that's the only thing, you know, when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and he gives the Our Father, and he goes through that, he only goes back and explains one aspect of that prayer, and the one aspect is, you need to forgive other people. If you don't forgive other people, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. And so we're talking about forgiveness, but if you don't have that forgiveness, if you are unwilling to forgive somebody else, and then by extension, you are not allowing yourself to be forgiven, if we have cut off that ability to be forgiven by God, until we allow ourselves to be forgiven by forgiving others, it seems like we're going to just, we're kind of creating the worry, the anxiousness, the, the you know, uh, problems there where we won't experience that true peace. That's exactly right. Um, you know, the question becomes like, do, you know, do I, do I have to do this in order to get that? Well, whether you're on the pursuit of peace or not, if, if, if you want salvation, then, then you need to forgive, right? How do we know that? Well, because what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Right, uh, you know, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive others. Right, and I know that's another topic for another day. But I guess in my experience, as I look at my own life, and as I look at um, those that I've served in different capacities, when someone is struggling to find peace, um, I, I think often the lack of peace comes from maybe one of three areas. One, they don't know what to do. They don't know what decision to make in their discernment, right? So, so they lack peace because they're not sure if they should take a new job or leave their current job. They lack peace because they're not sure if they should, you know, say something, you know, at the parish about something that's going wrong or something like that. So, so there's a lack of peace because they don't know which way to move forward, so I need discernment. I think a lot of people, it's anxiety. Um, some people are just naturally prone to anxiety. Uh, and so they need the gift of peace and figuring out what it is that's causing the, the lack of peace. But I think the third, and I'm not sure percentage-wise how I would group it, but the third are people who either are, are, are guilty of sin, <laughs> so they, they need to be forgiven by God, they need to forgive themselves, maybe they need the forgiveness of someone else, um, or they're, they're not at peace with someone else because that other person has hurt them. So I'm not going to be so simplistic to say if, if you're kind of taking care of those three areas um, you know, you'll, you'll have peace. But, but I, I do think that in, in the vast majority of cases, um, it, it's one of those three things. And so certainly the need to forgive or be forgiven will lead us to the gift of peace. It's why the mm-hmm. disciples needed it. It's why Jesus had to keep coming back to them, right? Because you, you pointed out the, the, the first resurrection story, but every resurrection story, he starts with shalom. Why? Because they needed to be forgiven because they had abandoned him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> You know, the other thing, so as you're talking about those obstacles to peace, one of the things that comes to mind is the Psalm 23. It's that famous, the Lord is my shepherd psalm. And one thing that I heard years and years ago, and it just really, really struck me, was there's that part where, and and I don't think the word peace is ever used in that psalm, but there's a lot of imagery of just comfort and calm and, you know, I, I, I don't have to worry. 
He prepares a banquet table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, there's all of this. He's taking care of everything. Worry and anxiety have no place because the Lord is my shepherd. But the one thing I heard was, you know, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And the idea of a rod or a staff, it's correcting us. It's kind of, you know, if if we're the sheep, if we're that little lamb that's walking down whatever trail and we get off that trail, well, then the staff or the rod, they kind of hit and knock the sheep back in line where they're supposed to be going. So that's a corrective action. It's something that, you know, when we, when we have that happen to us, it might not be the most pleasant experience. You know, if I'm hit with a rod or a staff, I'm a sheep walking along, well, that's, that's not pleasant in the moment. But I have this comfort that comes out of that, knowing that you will correct and guide me. God, because you love me and you want what's best for me. You want me to stay on this path that you have for my happiness. And so seeing even God's correction and his discipline in our lives as comfort, that, that right there is another aspect of that piece, I think, that exactly. uh, it, it really hit me when I, when I heard somebody talk about this. That's right. That's right. And you're right, Psalm 23, which is certainly a favorite for so, so many people, um, and, and it doesn't mention peace, but it gives us peace. Why? Because it puts us in right order, <laughs> right? It, again, that, that definition of shalom, it, it gets us to be, you know, well <laughs> and, 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 and where God wants us to be and complete. And, and how we complete? Because we let the Lord shepherd us. We let the Lord correct us. We let the Lord feed us. It, it, it puts us in a relationship of dependence and trust. And, and I think that's often why people are filled with anxiety, because they feel like everything is on them. And, and it's not. It's not. I mean, there are times when I, I, I get certainly anxious about things. I get worked up about things. My staff can tell you that. I can get frustrated. And then what do I need to do? I need to stop and say, okay, I just work for you, Lord. This is your church. This parish is your parish. Right, this this gathering of your people, it, it's for you. It's for your glory and honor, and you're going to take care of it. So let me trust you more and, tr- and 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 get out of the way. And I think that's what the Psalm 23 and so many of the Psalms. We're doing a Bible study on the Psalms right now, and and it's and it's just fascinating to pick them apart because they they speak of peace constantly. And again, it's it, there. Many of them are being written and sung by King David, who's at war. <laughs> you know. So again, well, it, it we. I was just going to say, not only is he at war, there's a lot of them where you read, and he's he's also anxious or he's worried in those psalms. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of Bach, because in a lot of the music that Bach would write, especially even in the minor chords, he has the this beautiful, uh, well-tempered clavier that he put together. And I, I, in it, if he has something that's being played in a minor key, at the end, he always resolves to a major key. He always wants to end everything he does on a positive note. And that's kind of what you get with the Psalms, even where there's the darkness, the worry, the dread, the anxiety, whatever David might be facing. It always seems at the end of those Psalms, it's followed up with, a, you know, here's all the things that are happening, but you're good, God. You're, you're, you're taking care of me. And that, that's, that seems to be kind of that same. It resolves on a major note or a major chord. And, and again, when, when I, I speak of a peace, you know, with people, confession, 
conversations, counseling in hospitals, right? Um, especially when we're in moments of crisis and feeling unwell, right? Let, know that the Lord is with you. Know that the Lord is overshadowing you. Know that the Lord is filling you. And, and, and again, it's, in my experience, that's what that's what begins the process of knowing the peace that, that God wants for us. Everything around us might be in bad shape. Everything around us might be, you know, really struggling. Um, and 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 we need to allow Him to do something inside of us, right? And again, I think we look to the saints, right? He, uh, I was thinking of like Maximian Colby, right? He's he's in a concentration camp. And yet those who, who witnessed him, even before his heroic act of, of, of generosity and, and dying for someone as a martyr, right, they said there was always a sense of peace about him. Well, he's being starved to death. Well, he's being abused. Well, he's in a concentration camp. Why? Because it was deep within him. Uh, again, with the missionaries of charity, right, they're living in, in very difficult neighborhoods, violence and, and noise and, and filth, and the people they're serving with are not always grateful. And yet there's a peace. Why? Because they're spending time with Jesus and allowing him to fill them with peace. Right? And, and we admire that in people around us who are undergoing chemo or maybe going through a difficult period in their marriage, and yet they have a peace that, that sort of doesn't line up with all the stuff that's happening around them. Why? Because God is with them. God is with them. Our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He's the pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Church in Philly. And talking about the peace that God gives us, the peace that Jesus offers to us. How have you experienced that peace in your life? How have you been able to let go of the anxiety or the worry? Or maybe there is a relationship that you had something that was strained there. How did, you, how did you repair that? And how did you then experience that peace of Christ that came into your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe that peace of, uh, that Jesus offers, it seems a far off thing. And you're not sure that you'll ever experience it in your life. Uh, that's again why Father is here. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. More with Father Chris Walsh and your phone calls coming up next here on The Inner Life. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks so much for listening here to this hour of The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to uh, Jim Shaper as they're helping produce the show today. And, uh, of course, if you missed any portion of the earlier uh, conversation, you can always go back and listen to the podcast available this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Today, talking about the peace of Christ. How have you experienced that in your life? How has that peace helped you? And uh, one of the things we want to talk about here, we'll invite your phone calls in at 888-914-9149, But want to talk about the fact that this peace is something, even though, Father, we're talking about it, 
St. Paul writes about how it goes beyond our understanding. In his letter to the Philippians, he says, Have no anxiety at all. There's that word again, anxiety. But have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so that surpasses all understanding. We're, we're here. We, we've, we've been talking for about 40, 45 minutes now. What is this peace? Let's, you know, let's try and describe this peace. But then St. Paul tells us, well, it goes beyond all understanding. So is that, is that one of those things kind of like with other mysteries of the faith? You know, the Trinity. Okay, we can try and understand it. We can try and explain it. We can come up with some uh, metaphors or some examples that we might give, but it's always going to fall short because it is from an infinite being and we are finite creatures. Is that going to be the same case with peace that is offered to us from Christ? Yes, we can do our best to explain it, but at some point we will always fall short in our limited language. I think so, Josh. I think it's one of those things that you, you, you know it when you experience it, but it's really hard to describe it to someone else. Um, you know, when you describe how you love your spouse or your child, why you love them, it, 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 you, you fail, right? Because it, 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 it's so beyond what words can understand. And um, again, with the Psalms, one of the things we talked about last week, you know, the Psalms are so different than the Gospels or the letters of Paul because they're, it's a poetic language that sort of leads you to one place, but then you have to fill in the rest yourself, you know? And, and I think it, Paul is always right. Um, you know, Paul is coming from his own experience. Paul, who, you know, struggled in some ways with some anxiety, um, we, can, we can see in, in different ways, probably just prone to that from his own personality type uh, and, and the type of Judaism that he had lived, um, a level of scrupulosity. But, but so when he says, you know, Christ gives us this peace that's beyond understanding, part of what Paul's even saying, this brilliant Paul, this brilliant scholar of the law and scholar of the scriptures, yeah, I don't understand this, but boy, when I got it, man, it's, all, it's so good. It's so good. And, and, and I believe that many of our listeners, many, many of our listeners have experienced that. Good confession, a great retreat, listening to one of your shows that sort of leads them to, to, to greater spiritual freedom. Right? All of a sudden, they're overcome with peace, making up with someone after you've had a fight with them, you know, or clearing up a disagreement. Right? You, you feel it. You feel it. And you're not even sure how it happened. You're not even sure what you did, because if you did, you would, you would redo it. And I think that is the movement of grace. That is the movement of Almighty God, you know, and, and it is beyond understanding, but it makes it no less precious. You know, when you talk about those moments, Father, I guess my main thought is, okay, yes, if somebody has been a Christian, has been a Catholic for a fair amount of time, and if they, if they make that effort, you know, whether it is a good confession, a good retreat, whatever it is, you have those moments where that peace comes or that fulfillment, you know, that being made whole was one of the, the phrases you used earlier in the program. And we walk out and, oh, things feel so great. And there is that lightning, you know, the, the baggage is gone, the, the weight of what we were carrying, it's removed. And then we walk back into the normal world 
into our everyday life. And sometimes that can seem like it disappears very, very quickly. How do we maintain that peace? How do we, when we walk back into the world, when we leave that, that mountaintop experience like Peter, James, and John had on Mount Tabor with Jesus and the Transfiguration, this is glorious. Let's stay here. Let's just camp out here. Let's build these tents and stay here forever. But we have to go back down. We have to go back down the mountain. How do we carry that peace, that, uh, I, I guess, that contentment that we receive in those moments? How do we carry that back into the world and not let it just fade away quickly? Yeah, I, I think we have to stay free. There's a beautiful um, ministry based not far from, from me called Unbound. And uh, yeah, they lead people to greater spiritual freedom, some wonderful, you know, prayerful steps. And now, you know, the, the demons of, of anxiety, the demons of fear, uh, the lies that, that that often keep us unfree, and, and that's where I picked up the phrase: right? We need to we need to guard our freedom. We need to remain free. Like peace, you know, is is certainly a gift from God, but it's also a choice I make. Right? Peter, James, and John, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, they made the choice that they were going to receive the peace that Christ offered. And they didn't just make that choice once. They made it again and again and again and again. And that's the lesson for us, I believe, Josh, that, yeah, I have these moments of peace. Well, how do I, how do I endure it? Well, I stay free. And so I, I don't continue to give in to the anxiety. I don't start worrying about later. Right? In the Lord's Prayer, what, what do we pray for? Our weekly bread? Our monthly bread? No. No, there's no Sam's Club and, 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 uh, and BJ's back in the biblical time. You got your bread every day, fresh. Right? And so and so if I'm 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 trusting God that He's going to provide for my daily bread, that means I can't worry about tomorrow. And we have to plan, right? We're not going to an extreme here, but I can't give in to anxiety about what's going to happen next month, what's going to happen next year, any of these types of things, because I believe God's going to take care of me today. So I just have to be on guard to not open myself up again to the things that make me unfree. Um, so falling into places where I'm holding back forgiveness. Um, or I'm falling back into habitual sin, you know. So, so it, it's that little bit of self-diagnosis, which is why an examination of conscience is so important. Why am I not at peace? Right? What's the source of my lack of peace? And, and then I know how to address that to stay free. Well, and that might mean if we go back into the regular world, there are some things we can't control. You know, if, if, if we're employed someplace, you can't control the other people necessarily that are hired, that are working with you. So some of those things, you know, you, you just have to, you have to work through, but other things you can control and, you know, you might need to say, okay, the thing that if, if this is leading me into this place of anxiety and I don't have to have that, maybe I should just cut it off or let go of it or, you know, remove it from my regular routine or my regular life. And that's exactly right. That Jesus himself gives us permission to shake the dust from our feet and walk away. If it's a place that's not open to the Word of God, if it's a place not, like, again, I, we have to make choices as Christians yeah. that going certain places, going with certain people, it's not going to be good for our peace. And, and that includes jobs, right? Throughout history, many Christians have had to say, yeah, this isn't good for me. Right. This isn't good for me. And so I, people need to change careers. Now, again, we have to weigh it out. Which do I want, peace or the secure income? 
right? And, and I know that's not always a, a, a decision um, that, that, that can be easily made, but, but, but that's the reality that if I, if I want peace, there's a way to get it. But, yeah. but am I willing to, 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 to make the tough decisions that, that will lead me there? Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Colleen who's listening to us in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Hi, Colleen. Thanks for calling in today here Hi. on the air. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. I was listening to your inner peace story and the decisions that you have to make in life uh, to maintain that. And um, I was basically in a relationship for about 12 years that was out of the church and through the rosary I got back into the church, and I was afraid to be alone. And I thought, and then I started to really dive into some of the lives of the saints and through confession and the sacrament of the Eucharist. Um, I left that relationship, and I went, I'm now in a different city, which is La Crosse. And I live alone. I am so peaceful. I I can't tell you once you give yourself over and you look at you look hard at the things that created that lack of peace. Fear. It's basically fear. Fear of being alone. Once you really look at it, and I did. Um, and I use the sacraments. I pray every day. I use Mary the rosary, the divine mercy, I kind of stay in a, I have, you know, maybe two or three hours where I'm doing regular stuff, but then I have my prayer time, and it, I've been doing this now, I had a stroke last, in uh, 20, June of 2020, which really put me in a bad place, but I just trusted that Jesus would take care of me, I didn't really have any money, so I trusted, and he has provided for me like I can't even believe and created such peace. And that's a hard one to for other people that have things going on in their lives where you tell them, just trust in Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, when you do and you really do, the peace and the inner peace in my life is just unfathomable. I, I had never even read the Bible. I started reading the Bible, and, it, and I was just like, Everything right there. So everything you're talking about, I have experienced, and it is amazing. That is beautiful and a great testimony that, again, not everything is perfect, right? Health challenges, moments of loneliness, but you've made the choice to not only find the peace, but to remain in that peace, and you found what works for you. So so praise God, and thank you for that testimony. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Colleen. Father, we've only got a couple minutes left here, but one last question for you. Uh, in the Beatitudes, Jesus, he has all the different, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, but he has one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. How do you think that we can be peacemakers in our culture? If we've experienced this peace, just like Colleen, how can we share that with others when we encounter them? Thanks so much. Um... I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I knew we were hoping to go there because it's not blessed are the peace lovers, right? Right. But but Jesus has an expectation that we actually make an effort to make peace. I think it begins with: our, is there someone that we're we're not at peace with? Is there someone that we've we've hurt um, that we have resentments towards? Well, we'll let forgiveness come in and let them know, 
and let other people know. Because oftentimes, sadly, when we're at battle with people, we tell everyone about it. We tell them, oh, I'm not talking to them. Oh, this is going on. Oh, that's going on. Well, now tell them you're at peace, right? And, and give witness to that. Uh, and I think find ways to do it. With whatever is going on, wherever you see division, actually try to build relationships. And it happens in a really simple way. Have conversations with people. Have a meal with people. Sit down and get to know someone. Sadly, within our parishes, sometimes there's that, you know, between different ministry groups or between ethnic, different ethnic groups and meet with different language things. There's division. Right there within our parishes, right there within our churches, we can build those divides. Maybe the younger group, the older group, maybe the school parents, the, the prep parents or religious ed parents. Like, ending those divisions. And certainly within our family, do what we yeah. can to get that sister-in-law with that sister-in-law. And is there anything better than to be called a child of God, then, if you have that label of being a peacemaker? <laughs> so, uh, Father, uh, we have about 20 seconds here. Could I have you offer a blessing for all of our listeners, please? May the Lord look upon you with kindness and grant you his peace and bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Chris Walsh, for being our spiritual director on the program today. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about trust, kind of continuing this theme, but how do we have that trust? Colleen was talking about it when she called into the program. How can we trust? Well, we'll dive into that tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday.